Welcome back to the Branding Blog Podcast. I'm Dave Young. I want to welcome Tom Wainick. It's taken me a while to nail down Tom Wainick to be a guest on the Branding Blog Podcast. Why is that, Tom? <laughs> I'm a slippery type of guy. <laughs> <laughs> Schedules just didn't line up. I know it. I know it. Uh, well, I'm I'm glad you were finally able to join me and, and uh, really look forward to this um, you and I have had some just, I think, fascinating conversations about strategy and branding and uh, personal experience factor. I know we, we talk a lot about that on uh, Branding Blog. The personal experience factor is so important in a business. And uh, those are just some of the things that, that I thought uh, we might be able to just, just kind of chat about today um, and, and basically kind of relate this to uh to your work in in the field of strategy around um around the currencies of credibility. I know we we don't want to just totally focus on your book, but you you wrote a book called The Currencies That Buy Credibility. And that book is all about uh figuring out the right strategy for a business and the right message based on uh, certain things that you can do as a business owner to establish credibility for your brand, for your company, right? That's right. That's right. It's about proving that you are who you say you are. And so what, what's, what's the first step? The, it, the first step has to be kind of figuring out who you are. Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, if and you don't know who you are as a business owner, um, everything just kind of falls apart as you as you try to figure out what kind of message and what kind of strategy and and all of those things. Yeah, and and, and you know you're a good judge of this as well. But I've I've always found that uh, you know the personality of the business owner. I mean, we, we you and I mainly talk to small business owners, those Main Street business owners, and the, and the personality of the business owner is always directly re- reflected in the personality of the business itself. It trickles down. And so it's hard to avoid that. It's hard to avoid that. And so so it's really figuring out, you know, uh, what your defining characteristics are, what your core values are and what the, the really the felt need of the customer is and and how you can align those. Um, that, that gives you a good head start on your strategy and your messaging. So if, if you figure that out, if you, if you're one of those business owners and you go, you know, I, yeah, I know who I am. Um, what, what I've seen happen in a lot of cases is a business will, a business owner might look at that and they say they know who they are and they, they look at another business or they look at a competitor or they look at somebody in the same business, you know, in a town halfway across the country and they say, Oh wow, well that's interesting who that guy is. Uh, maybe I should try to do more of that. And Mm -hmm. so they, they kind of adjust themselves, uh, into an area that, doesn't really fit their personality. Does that make sense? Have you ever seen that actually work? No, actually, uh, you know, but that's a knee-jerk reaction because we, you know, we take a look at what's going on in an industry, in our industry, in our marketplace, and we try to adopt maybe product features or services that uh, our competition uh, has going for themselves. And the interesting part of that is uh, from the customer's perspective, I mean, we're the, we're the experts, the business owner, uh, we're the connoisseurs of, of our marketplace and we, we know everything about our marketplace, but it's a mistake to assume that the customer knows just as much or even a fraction of what we know. Uh, they're really the novices and, and I think uh, there was an author from Harvard uh, University, University, Young Me Moon, who talked about this quite a bit in that it's a mistake to adopt those features and benefits 
because to the customer who's a novice, we all look alike. Mm-hmm. The, the customer doesn't notice those minute little details that make us different because they're not they're just not involved like like the business owner is. And so it's really hard to stand out rather than fitting in when when you're adopting these different features and benefits and 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 services and and products. Uh so it, you know it, I think a lot of business owners lose sight of that that fact that your success is related to standing out not fitting in. That's a good point. That's a good point. So if if a business owner isn't quite sure what they're all about. I mean, what do you do? How do you how do you help them figure that out? Uh, you you hire Dave Young and Tom Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> we can no, help uh, you. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it it's really it, maybe it's not such a good idea to think what I'm really about, but it's also looking at the customer and deciding what what they need, what they're looking for. Uh, we talk about felt need of the customer quite a bit in what we do. And that's brass tacks of marketing. I mean, it's it's figuring out what's that driving emotion that's going to cause somebody to to pur- purchase your products or services. So I actually would start there, and then you know really take a look at who you are. Um, and we we talk about defining characteristics or core values. What what do you believe in? Uh, what are your tendencies as a business? Uh, what are you interested in? Um, and 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 seeing where there's an alignment with again your core values or defining characteristics and the customer's felt need. Gotcha. So, so find that felt need, see if you align. If, if not, then, then see whose felt need you do align with. There's gotta be, there's gotta yeah. be that match. Yeah. And there's another blind spot or mistake of, of, uh, that, that so many business owners and, or marketers get into is trying to be all things, all people. Mm-hmm. And we always preach, Hey, choose who to lose. So once you do that, once you've, once you choose who to lose, once you decide who you are, what you're going to be, and you know what that felt need of your customers are, when we focus back around, we, mm-hmm. we've we've decided all those things. We've we've got kind of a strategy outlined for uh, how how all that comes together. Then it's time to focus back around on on actually delivering that experience to the customer. Would you say? Absolutely. Um, you know, you just don't want to plant a flag in the ground saying, I own this position in the marketplace. And so let's talk about the customer, ser- uh, customer experience as it relates to your strategy. So if you, in, in my book, I talk about uh, Jim Gilbert's Wheels and Deals. It's a used car dealership in Canada. Mm-hmm. And so Jim Gilbert, uh, he wants to be known for being the used car dealership that sells dependable used cars. And, and for most folks, that's kind of a laughable idea. That's kind of an oxymoron. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so if there's, any, if there's ever an industry or, or, or a business that needs to prove that, it would be a used car dealer. And so he's defined that value proposition and every decision that he makes when, in regards to his business and his marketing moves him in that direction because he needs to not only say, this is who I am, but now let me prove it to you. And that's where the credibility comes in. And so what Jim has done uh, is a series of um, marketing decisions or business decisions uh, that, that adds value to that statement, that adds credibility to that statement. So he, um, he implemented his very own six-month, 12,000-kilometer warranty on every vehicle that he sells. Right. He hand-selects the vehicles himself that go onto his lot. Uh, he's built a state-of-the-art eight-bay 
Napa Pro service shop directly on his dealership. And every car goes through a thorough inspection and gets repaired before it goes on the lot to be sold. And he communicates this in, in his advertising. I mean, this is great topics for his ads. Um, and it proves that, again, he's the reliable used car dealer in Fredericton, New Brunswick, Canada. And by the way, he's the market leader. I mean, he's, he is the 800-pound 800, 800 gorilla in the marketplace. But, you know, if he had jumped the gun and just gone straight to message first. It would be laughable. It, it'd be laughable. And he, he'd, he'd, he wouldn't be able to deliver on that. If you no, just said, not. if you just said, well, I, I deliver, uh, I, I, I sell reliable, dependable used cars, and I'm going to give you warranty. Uh, there's most used car dealers aren't going to follow through on the on the back end to make sure that they can actually deliver on that. Exactly, and and see that that might have worked uh, 30, 40 years ago, uh, but it doesn't work today. I mean, you really have to go through intense effort just to again. Prove, uh, prove that your message rings true. Mm-hmm. So uh, once, once you have that, once, once you have that back end, that strategy, now you can start talking about uh, message. You can start talking about uh, materials, the things that you're going to use to craft the experience that you're going to deliver. Oh, it, it's just great fodder for his ads. I mean, he's, he's got plenty to talk about now. Mm-hmm. And and really, he needs to talk about it. He needs to communicate those things. It's not bragging. It's just communicating that, hey, I go through all this extra effort to make sure that you walk out of here driving a reliable vehicle. And um, and any of my competitors could give you the same warranty if they went to the same trouble before they actually put the car for sale. Interestingly enough, you're right, and none do. I mean, none have the guts to match Jim's warranty. Uh, none have the guts to uh, do any of those extra screenings or repairs prior to uh, – that I know of anyways, um, the, the prior to uh, putting their car on the lot. And it's, so, you know, you know, the neat thing about um, this direction, the strategy direction, Dave, is that you don't have to worry about what the competition is doing now. That's a position that Jim owns. It's his position in year after year – that's what drives more and more decisions on, on marketing. It's like, okay, when Jim started out, I think he had only five bays in the service shop. Well, now that's expanded to eight. Right. It, it also led to a decision to uh, make that service shop exclusive to his car buying customers. So the general public doesn't get access to that. It's only for the car buying customers, uh, which communicates that, you know, hey, it's exclusive. I'm part of Jim's family. And I don't have to have these long wait times to get my car repaired. And these people already know my car. Exactly, because he has all the records there. He keeps everything right on site. I mean, Jim, I, I tell this all the time. Jim is really playing with the big boys here. Yeah, it, it's a pretty impressive story. And and it just uh, focusing on that strategy, focusing on that on that business building part of it, uh, and and satisfying the needs. Uh, the the felt needs of the customer is such a it's it's such a great place to start and I think it's where most people just don't don't figure that out they they just say hey let's just go into the used car business and see what happens or yeah I, any business I just don't want to focus on Jim and, and the used car industry because it's it's any retailer it's any service business 
if uh, I, I know you and I've seen this plenty of times, if there's a breakdown in marketing, it's often at the customer experience level. Mm-hmm. It's something that happens when the customer walks through the door or engages with the, the business that there's a disconnect there. There's something going on that uh, the business owner doesn't have quite right. And it, what it does, Dave, is it undermines everything that you're doing with your advertising. Mm-hmm. So what, what other examples, Tom? I mean, if, if, if we were to look in, uh, in the retail sector, uh, stores that, that everybody knows, what, uh, how, how could you give some examples of uh, a, a business that knows who they are and does a good job of delivering the customer experience to match that? You know, obviously, you, th- you think of places like yeah. Home Depot. Uh, yeah, they do a pretty good job. I mean, they they sell stuff to build things with, and and you know the whole place always looks like it's kind of under construction. It's got that, right? It's just got that look and feel from the logo to the paint scheme to you know to everything in between. And that and that's great stacking those those little um, oh communication features those those that cachet that the look and feel and that works for Home Depot. I tell you what, interesting story. Uh, Home Depot did something similar to, to Jim Gilbert in that, and they do still. They offer these um, these uh, clinics mm-hmm. on various topics on on, on how to um, how to improve your home for uh, the winter or to uh, make it more energy efficient. How to lay down drywall or tile, um, you know. And really, if you think about it, that that communicates expertise that they know what they're talking about, and I think there's a a transfer of confidence then that they're going to have the products that you need uh, to do the right job for your home. And so I think this is a great service that Home Depot offers. But we talk about a breakdown in customer experience. Uh, I wanted to see what you know in my research how this all worked for them, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. online. Uh, they make it first of all. They make it very difficult to sign up for this stuff. Um, uh, but you had to go to a different division of Home Depot to actually find uh, any type of um, uh, class in your your local Home Depot, uh, your neighborhood. Uh, but I did. I, I eventually, I did some Google searching. I found the, the the class. I can't recall what it was. I think it was uh, how to prep your home to make it environmentally friendly and save energy costs and, and whatnot. And so I, you know, I scheduled it. It was Saturday, maybe two o'clock. Show up. Uh, there's no one there. Mm. There's no one at the the station. Uh, so I went up to the customer service uh, desk to ask them, you know, wh- you know, did I miss something? Where is the class? And they knew nothing about it. So we talk about about breakdowns and customer experience. That well, that was awful. I mean, here's a great idea. Uh, a great service to offer that would add value uh, for your customers and add value to your business, yet they didn't execute. And there was a huge breakdown there. And it really wasn't a, it wasn't a good show at all. So don't promise it if you can't deliver. Uh, yeah, if you can't swing the hammer, uh, <laughs> choose, a, choose a different uh, signal to send. If you, can, if you can't afford the, the signal that you're sending, uh, reinvest your resources in something you can. You know, uh, sometimes the the strategy, the underlying strategy uh, of a business, uh, isn't readily visible or or felt uh, by the average consumer. I, I think of a of a, a company like Walmart, where mm. 
most people, you know, we, we know what the Walmart experience is like, and and mostly what you hear about uh, an experience inside of Walmart is people talking about uh, employees that that don't know very much, that can't help you with very much, and 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 of course. You know, mainstream business people, that's that's where they focus. They say, you know, we can offer you uh, yeah. more expertise, uh, you know, a, a better quality of, of an employee uh, interaction uh, than a big uh, big box store like Walmart can offer. But what, what the little guy on the street can't do is, is operate on the same level as the core business value of somebody like Walmart – Walmart puts all their resources and effort in into what got them there in the first place, and that's the the infrastructure and the strategy of the supply chain mm, that, that goes on in the background. You know, you don't see that when you park your car in their parking lot and walk in the door. And you know, there if if you if you read uh, Sam Walton's book, that's that's the key is to always have lots of what people want, and and never have a lot of what people don't want. Yeah. Well, it's funny because prior to the call earlier today, you and I were talking about cosmetic uh, things having to do with the customer experience. Uh, you know, because uh, when I owned a retail store, we put a lot of effort into the cosmetic appearance of the store. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's important. But again, it, I want to stress the word cosmetic. And it's interesting what Walmart has done in recent years because they're, you know, Target came along and and they were kind of beating uh, up Walmart a little bit. And, you know, uh, through the past uh, uh, couple years, Walmart's tried to reinvigorate their image. Uh, we have a new logo for Walmart. It's mm-hmm. a lot softer than the old one. Uh, we have a new Walmart in, uh, that's a superstore in our neighborhood. It's a, it's a really nice store. I, you know, it's, it's got, you know, the faux wooden floors and, you know, sure. brand new refrigerators. And it, it looks very nice. It's a very nice store. But going back to, to, you know, backing up your claims, I mean, they were getting beat up for some of the things that they were doing to their employees and for the, uh, the, the way the employees were maybe interacting uh, with customers or weren't, you know, being very helpful. And so... The interesting thing about Walmart is if you're not doing the things that you should be doing on the customer side, the cosmetic side isn't going to really do anything for you. I mean, it looks nice, but you know what they really need to focus on is improving the experience, how these, these Walmart employees are interacting with the shoppers, um, uh, what type of products that are in the Walmart stores and, and whatnot. Well, you know, I, I, and, and I, I would say that just in contrast to that a little bit, um, I don't think that experience that you're talking about is going to be different at just about any Walmart store you go to. Mm. Uh, no. Be, because that's not where Walmart puts their effort. And they know, I, I, I think, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't know uh, high upper management yeah. strategists at Walmart, but just, just from observation. And I, I, I do have some personal observation in, 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 in that, uh, I have a family member that works for them on the retail level and that's, you know, they, they don't reward those kinds of things. They, they, that's not really the effort they want. They want people to serve the customers. Obviously they don't, they don't want people to not serve them. 
but they haven't built their company on that reputation. They've built their company on just knowing that people will come in because they know Walmart probably has what they're looking for, and they're willing to put up with a little bit of that. And, and good prices. And so let's, let's circle back around to uh, a topic earlier in the conversation that talked about not copying what the competitors are doing. Mm-hmm. See, because this new store that's in my neighborhood looks, looks a lot like Target. Yeah, and, and so even if it looks like Target, if it's got the same training and the same hiring practices as every Walmart in the country, it's not going to have the same, uh, the same employee response as a Target's going to have if, if, exactly. Target's, if Target's delivering on that promise. Exactly. So maybe Walmart would have better, been better off sticking with what they do best and not worrying about those little cosmetic improvements and, and, uh, you know, what targets do. Yeah. I mean, now, you know, there's, you, you can always make the, the, the case for keeping things modern, up to date, clean, sure. and new. And, and maybe that's what it's all about. Just kind of a, a rollout of, of kind of a new, uh, decor scheme. And, and, and we've seen that come through, uh, local Walmarts here where, you know, uh, one year the store looks one way and they, they bring a crew through and and just kind of give the whole place a facelift, and and so those kinds of things happen too. But I I don't I haven't seen that change um, the basic way that they hire and train, if that makes sense. So right. so their core values, their uh, you know the, the 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 values and the strategy that makes them tick, is still uh, in the uh, gears and pulleys and levers. That, that are all being moved and, and uh, pulled in Bentonville, Arkansas, as they manage their amazing supply chain. Right. And keep all that stuff flowing down the highways and keep all, this, all the shelves stocked. And uh, that, that's, really, uh, that's really the core of their strength. It, it may not be visible. I'll give you another, um, another retailer. I was, I was in the mall last week with, uh, with my kids and um, – just a couple. I don't, do you have? Uh, I know your daughters probably aren't old enough to uh, shop at a store called Forever Twenty One, and I'm not sure if they're uh, all over the country or not. Does that does that ring a bell? Oh, no, it doesn't ring any bells. But go ahead. Uh, it's it's a it's a women's clothing store and seems to be focused on uh, well Forever Twenty One. Probably that's that's the core of their demographic is kind of the. The twenty-one-year-old that's kind of into fashion, but not one to spend, not one to spend a lot. Maybe doesn't have a lot to spend, but uh, I'm, I'm not sure just where it all fits. But um, my two teenage daughters seem to really like that store right now. Um, but it's not, it's not what you would call the the um, couture kind of fashion, right? It, so it doesn't have those elements. But when I walked into that store from the mall. It was, it was, I would say absolutely the brightest store I've ever been. And I, you almost felt like you were on the beach. <laughs> the, the lighting was so bright and it wasn't, it wasn't just washed out fluorescent. There was some of that, but it was a lot of, just a lot of high intensity lighting. Everything was bright. Uh, ever there was some music going on, but, but you could tell that the clientele was all this, this kind of same age, uh, girl. And so it had that kind of a feel. And I walked across the the uh, the mall uh, to another store that that probably targets. And I, you'll have to help me on this. I, I you and I have walked into a uh, a Hollister store, haven't we? Oh, I believe just, so. Yeah. You know, so uh, totally. I mean, you want to talk about a hundred and eighty degree experience from um, a lighting and space. <laughs> 
use. Yeah. Hollister is uh, – you you almost wouldn't know it's a store as you walk by because they don't show any of their merchandise in a window. There's no window display to speak of, right? It looks like some kind of a tropical island hut that you could walk into. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, even even as you walk in the door, you can't see into the store. You you There's a, a sofa you know, I, there, and you yeah, have I to turn right wrong. or left, and you can't see anything until you get in. And I could be wrong, but I don't even think they put their name on the outside of the building. They may not. I'm I'm not sure. I I although I, I I know I saw it, I recognized it, but I I I always like to walk in because I think it's kind of fun. I mean, I'm I'm a, you know, I'm I'm knocking on the door of 50 years old and I'm I'm uh, you know, I got gray hair and and I'm kind of <laughs> scruffy looking and uh I am not the guy that Hollister wants to walk through that door. <laughs> right, right. Right? And and uh I get that. Yet I, I like to go in and look just because I, I like looking at what they've done. They know they know so well who their customer is. I think based on uh, based on how they've laid out the store, based on how they make it feel closed off and exclusive, uh, how they light it, how they pack it with stuff. So I mean, a guy my age and my size, I can't walk through the store without brushing against stuff. It's that tight. Yeah. Right. And that's that's intentional they have uh they have devices that spray cologne <laughs> in the store i mean it, the, mm. the the place has a certain smell uh the the materials that they use for the ceiling and the walls and everything else it it, it you feel like you've gone uh to i don't know uh, like a an old world war ii quonset hut on a on a pacific island that's been <laughs> reclaimed you know and repurposed into a into, does that Makes sense. I mean, does that that sound right? Like what you've experienced when you've gone in there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's um, it sounds like a like you said a total contrast against the was it Forever Twenty One or Twenty Two? Well, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know that it's a total contrast. It, it may be a total contrast just in um, style, in style and product, and maybe in the mindset of their customer. Um, and I and I don't know much more about that. But this seems to be the place where. Uh, and, and I think they had, did they have women's clothes or is it just guy? I think it's women's on, on one no, side and guys both. on the other. Yeah, it's both. And so, but on the guy's side, I know that there is not one, there's not a shirt or a pair of pants in there that would fit me. First of all, you, you've got to be a, uh, heroin addict, skinny, <laughs> 21 year old dude to, to fit most of the clothes that they sell in that store. Yeah. And yeah. if you're if you're bigger than average, it's probably because you're you're uh, you've just got more muscle mass than average. So maybe it's maybe their core is is young people that uh, just have this body image that they that that, that they want to show off. I mean, if, if that makes any sense. Well, I think I think with that store, the the thing that that's and I, and this may have been I think it's been in the press uh, within the last year is they've they've uh got a lot of criticism for uh maybe not hiring somebody to work at their stores that fits their image. Yeah, oh yeah. And and that's that's really, you know, I mean they they've taken a lot of flack for that and I don't think they've been very apologetic about it. But look, I mean, we've talked about choosing who to lose. It's a store staffed by beautiful people catering oh, to other beautiful people. Beautiful people, right. And it reminds me of that uh uh, that uh, dating site, beautifulpeople.com. Exactly. Exactly. Who, who, uh, who hit the, 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 um, 
where it hit the fan a few uh, years ago. Yeah, I remember. They they uh, fired five thousand members for gaining too much weight over the holidays. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you might find that appalling that the that the, the heads at uh, this this company would do that. But you actually have to go through a screening process to get uh, acceptance into this into this dating site. It's for beautiful people. Um, but you know what? I think that's brilliant if you if you look at it objectively because. Mm-hmm. You're, they're, again, they're choosing who to lose. How else are you going to go up against the big boys in your marketplace, which is uh, – help me out, Dave uh, – the um, Match.com and there's another one. Yeah, um, yeah whatever. But, but yeah, the, so you've got, two, you've got two – eHarmony. eHarmony. You've got two big companies. They're entrenched. They're for everybody. So you've got to do something different. You, again, you have to stand out, not fit in. And the way they've done that is deciding we're going to lose all the quote unquote ugly people. Yeah, if, if you're ugly and fat, don't come, don't come here. And, and I, it, I, I think you're right. I, I get that feel at Hollister. Yeah, and absolutely. and so what, what's funny is, and I, I just get a kick out of this. I, I don't, I don't think Hollister's in the wrong at all. I just like studying it, and I feel like when I walk in and I get deep enough into the store where you know they've got the counter, the sales counter, and, and the, the you know the employees are back there at the I don't even know if they have registers, but they're back there taking money, and you know there's half a dozen uh, pretty young people making their purchases, and I walk in, you almost feel like the music should stop, you know, like like the record just got pulled off or the needle <laughs> got pulled off the record, and everybody yeah. turns their head and looks at me. That's how I feel when I walk in. It's like, oh, I'm I'm so obviously in the wrong place. Wrong door. Yeah. Oh gosh. Uh yeah, sorry. Yep. <laughs> and I think that's so cool. I think it's so cool that they have defined who feels comfortable in there and who doesn't to that extent. Mm. That that it it feels like uh, an exclusionary zone for uh, uh, uh an overweight 40 something guy. <laughs> you, you go in there and you go, "Oh, I guess I'm not supposed to be here. And um, like it or hate it, I I think it's important. I think, I think that's, that's knowing your brand uh, down to that level. And making decisions that move you closer to that value proposition. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though those decisions may alienate a segment of the market. Exactly. Exactly. And so if you don't know who you are, and you don't know what your core values are as a business owner, you, you're never going to get to that point. No, not at all. All right. Yeah, it's, re- it's really getting familiar with yourself and with your customer. So uh, you mentioned step number one is hire you and I. Uh, <laughs> what, what else could somebody do, Tom? Your, your book will help people figure some of this out. And I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, I, I think link, the I'll link over to your site so, so people can Yeah, the can book Currencies of I by credibility, I think gives uh, I, I have plenty of good case studies in the book that talks about um, how to really do all this um, that, and, and demonstrates this uh, how companies have done this for themselves mm-hmm. and how they they communicate with credibility through their actions uh, and the decisions that that they make and really create a just a stellar experience for the customer. Awesome. So, uh, are you on the road through the holidays? Any any speaking gigs? Anything going on? Just hanging uh, no, out. no. Uh, hopefully, it slows down a bit. I'd like to enjoy it with the kids, and uh, you know, uh, just take the time to uh, plan for the next year. 
Sounds good. Well, I, I appreciate you coming on uh, on the Branding Blog podcast, Tom. I and appreciate it. Maybe maybe we can drill deeper on one of your other uh, one of your other strategies in a future podcast. Are you up for it? I'd love to. All right, so, Dave. Well, so you know, everybody says yes when you ask them while you've got the recording going. <laughs> that's why I do it that way. <laughs> so, so you got the commitment. Yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah, and we can always just point back to it and say, Tom said he'd be on again. I don't know where he is. <laughs> I really appreciate it, Tom Wainick. And I'm Dave Young on the Branding Blog Podcast. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you again next week.